Good morning. Hands up if today, at some point, you thought or said, it's too cold. Surprisingly few of you, actually. Okay. If you thought at some point, I wish it was warmer. Yeah, more of you. Okay, this is good. Okay, so you wanted it to change. Um, If you can recast your mind back to the summer, maybe you're at summer camp and you were thinking, it's too hot. Does anyone remember that? And, And you thought at some point, I wish it would get cooler. Yeah. So we want things to change. How, how many of you at some point have complained that the British weather is too changeable? <laughs> so we say we want change, but somehow we complain about it when the change actually happens. And at the moment, we're, we're in a series called New Year's Revolution. And we, we didn't spell it wrong. It, it is revolution, not resolution. You see, we're, we're looking for something that... You know, a resolution is something that we kind of might want to change, that we might aspire to change. Whereas a revolution is something that has to change, something that we would give anything to change, something that we would sacrifice to change. And, um, and last week we were talking about a revolution of worship. And, and there was a word given at the, actually at the beginning of that service, and Adam incorporated that into the word. He said, it said, to get our thoughts in line with God's thoughts so that we could understand that which he has for us. I just wanted to focus on the thoughts bit of that. And we had, we had several scriptures, but these are just two of them. He says, Elijah went before the people and said, how long will you waver between two opinions If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. He's basically saying there has to be a change and you have to make a choice. And towards the end, it's talked from Paul. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Again, this is Paul, which is saying there needs to be a change, and I'm urging you to make a choice. You see, again, something that, that one point that Adam made is what we worry about or we give our time to that is what we worship. And today, I want to basically say, if we want to change, we're going to have to do something different. We're going to have to actually make a choice. So here's the decision. Do we want to have a resolution? Or do we want a revolution? Do we want to actually change? Or do we just want to say that we actually want to change? It's a big challenge. And so we need to do something different. So what are we going to do? We're going to start at the very beginning because it's a very good place to start. Couldn't do a talk without having a film reference of some kind. So we're not going to go to Genesis. If you've been to any... Advent um, service of any kind, you'll have seen this. It's a pretty famous, um, pretty famous set of verses. They're also a very complicated set of verses. We're certainly not going to unpack all of it. Um, but I'm just going to read through it. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. 
He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. You see, what we're going to focus on is to start off with is the word, word. You see, the title of today is Foundation in the Word. And here, the word that's used is logos. And we're just going to unpack a little bit about what logos means. But I want to start by suggesting to you this. We're going to look at what the experts say in a second. But to start off with, I'm going to say that logos is the very essence of God, the very fundamental essence of God and who he is. This is the first time you've actually ever seen this passage, then it's probably easiest to understand word as just substituting the word Jesus for word. And in fact, that's how most of us might read that scripture, because this is John introducing Jesus to the word, to the world, but he does it in a slightly cryptic way by using word. But the reason he does that is because he's using this word logos. Now, just bear with me for a minute, because when, when Bible experts get together and come up with definitions, it's normally quite complicated. We're just going to pick out a few bits of this. So, Logos basically means reason and word, but it translates best as thought because the best equivalent for the Greek term, because it basically indicates about reason, which is God's inward thoughts, what he is thinking. But on the other hand, it's expressed in terms of language, which is like spoken word or a written word like scripture. And the two ideas are inextricably linked. They are together and they can't be taken apart. It says in every employment of the word in philosophy and scripture, both, conce both concepts of thought and its outward expression are closely connected. So just going back from this, I want to pick out some really important bits about what it is saying about the word. First of all, it says, in the beginning, there was the word. So in other words, in other words, it's a start. It's at there, at the very beginning. And it's a basis. It's a cornerstone. It's the alpha. It's the very beginning point. And then later it says, all things were made. Now, at the end of the day, the reason that we want change is because we need something to be different. Something isn't right, and God wants us to move on. But it could be that the circumstances that we're actually in look way beyond that which we could actually change, way beyond, and we need a way through, or a way round, or a way over to be made. And this word, makes things. It gives birth to things. It causes, next bit, life. It says, in him was life. Remember the contrast, which is sin. Paul says, sin gives birth to death. But this word gives life. And Jesus said, he came that you, that we, might have life and have it to all its fullness. And it's a light. 
It actually shines and illuminates things. It makes us look at things. We talk about looking at things in a different light. It makes us look at things differently. It turns things around. So a problem that looked insurmountable suddenly becomes doable because of God's word. And perhaps the most important bit is the bit at the end. It says, and the darkness has not overcome it. I remember hearing a preacher once saying, if you took all the darkness in the universe and concentrated it all together, it could not put out the light of a simple candle. And Jesus is described in Micah as being the sun, S-U-N, of righteousness. The brightest, brightest, hottest thing that we know of, that is how Jesus is described. And so his word is utterly undefeatable. It is invincible. And if we want change and we want the revolution to happen and to actually stick, then we need something to stand on which is utterly undefeatable. So we need to do something different. Carrying on. Oh, I'm going the wrong way. I don't know. I'll carry on. Hopefully Adam will fix it for me. So if we want to change, we need to do something different. And if we want to change, we want to start with the word. But some of you might be thinking, yeah, that's, that's okay. But the word that you've just been talking about, we've already said, is Jesus. So I want to just jump to another reasonably famous scripture. Um, it's, if it's going to go, next one, brilliant. It's in 2 Timothy, it says, and this is very definitely talking about scripture. It says, all scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Again, I'm just going to break this down. First of all, all scripture That's a bit annoying, actually, because it's all Scripture. That includes the bits that we don't want to read about, the bits that when we come to read it, we say, surely, Lord, you don't actually want me to read a genealogy. It's just a list of names. And the bits of the minor prophets that we know is in the Bible somewhere. Hands up if you know where Habakkuk is. Yeah, not many. Okay, it's between Nahum and Zephaniah. Hands up if you still don't know where Habakkuk is. It's actually reading all of it because the thing is that this scripture is God's wisdom and all of God, all of scripture is for us to help us change. And he says next that it's God breathed. Now, I don't know about you, but if you want to think about what, what does essence of God, how would you describe essence of God, I would say, well, breathed probably would be the word that I would use. It's God breathed. When Jesus said, receive my spirit, he breathed over his disciples. And the next bit is kind of the really annoying bit. It says, for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training... How many people, when you think, oh, I'm teaching, okay, you might be okay with teaching, but think, yay, rebuking, yay for correction, I really want that. You know, you go to work and you say, today is going to be a staff training day. How many of you go, yay for staff training? (laughs) But, and this is the problem, 
I would contend and say that if you want to change, you cannot change without at least one of those occurring, probably more than one. So none of those are fun, but actually they are necessary if we're going to mature, if we're going to change. So we need God's word. We need his word for what it does, and we need his word if we're actually going to change. But if you're not convinced... Let's jump back to Isaiah. It says in Isaiah 55, It is the same with my word. I send it out and it always produces fruit. That's really important. I send it out and it will always produces and it always produces fruit in other words his word we can count on for change his word we can count on for changing things and for the better and it says it will accomplish all I want it to and it will prosper everywhere I send it that's enormous That is huge. It means it's something that we can rest on, depend on, and we know it's going to produce a good fruit. You see, if we're wanting to change, at the end of the day, we want to change and produce good fruit. A couple of years ago when we were in lockdown, Don preached on talking about if you want to uh, produce good fruit, you need to sow intentionally and know the seed that you are sowing and sow that seed intentionally. And actually, as you read it, the first few words are, it is the same with my word. Well, same as what? So I guess we ought to just go back a bit. He says at the beginning of that, um, that little section, he said, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts. Remember I said right at the very beginning, we need to get our thoughts in line with God's thoughts. So it says, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. And my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. Which at the end of the day is pretty good because when the thing that we are trying to get around is a mountain that we can't conceive how we're going to get past. How are we going to overcome it? We need someone's thoughts that are far beyond our thoughts. Someone who can can imagine far more than we can. For he said, just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. It says, the rain and the snow come down from heaven and stay on the ground to water the earth. They cause the grain to grow, producing seed for the farmer. You see, we don't even have to get our own seed. We want the fruit. But we don't have to get our own seed. God provides his seed from his word and bread for the hungry. And then he carries on. This is the same for my word. I send it out and it always produces fruit and it will accomplish all I want it to and it will prosper wherever I send it. So if we want to change, we have to do something different. If we want to change, We need to start with the word, but if we want to continue changing, we need to continue with his word. You see, when we're living and when we're growing, it turns out that we need a couple of things. But first of all, we need someone who is actually going to live and grow with us. That might seem a bit weird and a bit odd, but think about it like this. In a healthy family, the way that God intends, parents parent their children. The parents grow with the children. 
And the parents grow and change in accordance to the child's needs. So as the child grows up, the parent grows with the child. Any parent who's here has been affected by their child as much as their child is affected by their parent. And so we need a living God who grows with us. But at the same time, just as children need boundaries, we need something which is secure, firm, solid, and unchanging, as his word is. You see, it's a source that we tend to. You see, left to our own imaginations, we drift. We drift into our own thoughts and we get our own ideas, which is why it's so important to correct back to the source, to correct back to his word. You see, the other thing is that change, when it happens, takes energy. And that energy has to come from somewhere. It's either going to come from us, in which case we have to sacrifice something, or we run out of energy, which is kind of like why a New Year's resolution kind of doesn't last very long because it's normally fueled by our own desire to do something, fueled by our own energy. It lasts a few weeks and then it peters out. But we need something that is not going to run out. I remember Fru once described God as being the source of sources. We need a source of energy which is not going to run out. So if we need to change, we need to do something different. If we want to change, we need to start with the word. If we want to continue changing, we need to continue in his word. But if we, if we want to experience God's life-changing word, we need to interact with both God and his word together. So, weirdly, don't read the Bible. Well, actually, no, do read the Bible, but don't just read the Bible. You see, if you are just reading it, then you are just reading a book, and it doesn't have any power. But if you, and sorry, and if you are praying, and you're talking to God, that's brilliant. But what will tend to happen is that when we pray, we pray more in line with our thinking than with God's thinking. You see, when we look through these scriptures, what we've basically discovered is that his word and him are inextricably linked. You can't actually separate them. And when we try to, we don't get the benefit and we don't get the change. I just want to come, come to a close soon, but I just want to, to take this one instance. It's taken from a situation where, where Jesus was basically around friends' house. The friends were, were Lazarus, Mary, and Martha. And I have to say, I relate to Martha quite a lot. She was doing the cooking. She was very concerned about getting the cooking done and there to be able to feed the people. And the sister was transfixed on Jesus. She was sat there, and she wasn't paying any attention to what Martha was doing. And so Martha comes out of the kitchen, and he says, but Martha was distracted by all the preparations she has made. She came to him, to Jesus, and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. 
You could just imagine at this point, Jesus looks at her, smiles, sighs slightly, but lovingly, and just says, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it won't be taken away from her. You see, sometimes we call our time with God devotion. Devotional time. The word devotion literally means that we're transfixed. The word devotion implies that we set time aside rather than squeezing it around other jobs. That becomes the most important. You see, we do it intentionally. We plan for it. We say, this is the time that I am going to spend. And we set aside our best time to be with Jesus. So this is an invitation. It's an invitation to look at the time that we spend with God. The time that we spend and how we spend it. You see, are we actually setting aside time or are we actually fitting him in? Amen. We're worried about the many things, but actually only one thing is important. When we worry about change, we think of all the ways and all the things that we'd use to be able to overcome the change, but actually there is only one thing which is important, the foundation. The foundation on which actually the change is going to be built. You see, when we're spending time, are we spending our best time? Have we invited the Holy Spirit to talk to us? You see, his word is there so that he can actually speak through us, to us, through it. When we read his word, are we just reading it? Are we reading it and thinking about it? Are we meditating on it? Do we go over it? Do we write about it? That, for me, was a real change in my life when God brought me to actually write about. And it wasn't like chapters and chapters, but it's one verse. Find one verse in what you read. Ask the Holy Spirit to point out to you the verse and then let God speak to you and write it down. This is his wisdom, his thoughts that he is giving you. Imagine that you do that every day. How many thoughts and pieces of wisdom do we accumulate for God? And the best bit is they're tailor-made just for you because this is your time with God. God speaks to no one else like he speaks to you because you are his priceless, unique, special creation. You are the piece in the jigsaw of his kingdom. No other piece fits in his kingdom like you do. So when he speaks to you, he speaks to you like he speaks to nobody else. And the wisdom that he gives you will be like no one else. And when you share that wisdom with other people, that wisdom he can only communicate through you in the time that you spend with him. So I want to encourage you, get a plan and follow it. There is a plan. The church has got a Bible reading plan. Follow it. 
follow it because it does two things. It takes us through all of Scripture. It doesn't matter how long, how many years it takes. It doesn't have to be the Bible in a year, but it does have to be all of Scripture. And it gives us the opportunity to be able to talk with other people in the church about it. If we're all reading the same thing, it's remarkable when you talk to people, you get the chance to be able to tell other people what God has spoken to you. And they get the chance to be able to speak what God has spoken to them. The wisdom is shared. And don't worry if you haven't, if this isn't what you're doing right now. Make a plan. This is time of revolution so we can make a change. And don't worry if you miss a day. Just pick up in the plan wherever you left off. Don't try and catch up. Just pick up and carry on. You see, revolutions start with a commitment to real change. And that starts with a solid foundation, building on a rock. And that rock is God his word, and you, together. And I'm going to end there. Amen.